grab a seat. So good to be able to sing praises to the Lord together and to be gathered here this evening. Um, thank you so much for joining us. Um, so good to have so many of you part of Kids Club as well. 31 kids come to faith. How cool is that? Um, so thank you to those of you who diligently serve there. Uh, it's an incredible blessing to us, an incredible blessing to SDBC, a great blessing to our community as well, and only 51 weeks until you do it all again. How awesome is that? Uh, praise God. I also want to take this opportunity to thank those of you who've been praying for me over the last week. It has been a very difficult period, um, but um, many of you prayed and sent messages and things like that. I do appreciate that. Um, we were able to celebrate the life of my aunt on Friday uh, in a very real and powerful way uh, with a challenging and convicting gospel message as part of her service and uh, it was a great blessing uh, to be a part of that. Uh, I'm going to bring you this evening's Bible reading. We are reading from 1 John chapter 4 and uh, we'll be reading verses 12 to 21. 1 John chapter 4 verses 12 to 21 and I will be reading from the 211 NIV. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Saviour of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love. The perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love God, oh, sorry, for whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. Amen. And may God bless this reading of his word. Well, obviously I missed last week and uh, I feel like I've got to play catch up. It seems like I've missed out on a huge chunk uh, of um, this uh, epistle, this letter that John has written. But uh, it, it's just such a powerful thing. I was preparing a message for last Sunday, so I got to see a little bit of it. So two weeks ago, uh, John was urging us to be discerning. He was asking us to be careful about those who we listen to. And he said, don't believe every spirit. And even those who are speaking and have the appearance of being Christians, he's saying, just be wary, be careful about what they're saying. Uh, the whole point being in seeking discernment, uh, is that we will be able to accept and know what the truth is. And in knowing what that truth is, we will be able to reject anything that is in error, anything that is not actually true. What I think uh, would have been said in last week's passage was about building on that foundation of truth. Uh, because when we are not being deceived or misled, when we are accepting the truth only and rejecting error, we free ourselves up uh, for God to express himself 
to us, through us, and in us. It starts with God's love. God is love. And I know we've all heard that, but do you believe it? And not only do you believe it, do you actually apply it to your life? Do you own that? Of all the gods that are proclaimed as being real in this world, do you know of another one that can say that he is love? There's no other God, there is no other deity who has lived in perfect relationship for all of eternity past and will do so into all of eternity future. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit have lived in perfect unity, perfect relationship, perfect love for all of time and will continue to do so. God is love. It's love that was motivated to action. It's a love expressed by God in sending Jesus to become the perfect sacrifice so we can have relationship with him. It's a love God pours into us. And it's a love that he pours into us with an expectation that we will allow that love to pour out of us, overflowing to others around us, and that we won't hold that back regardless of the person, the situation, or the circumstances. And it is this love of God, given to us so freely, that allows us to love others. And that's what John's talking about through the passage this evening. The perfect love of God, which as we submit more and more of ourselves to him, will be perfected in us. It's a love that we will one day know fully when we stand in his presence in glory. But knowing God's love and being a conduit of that love to others is evidence of our relationship with him. And it can assure us of our acceptance into his family and provide a sure hope of our eternal future. And tonight, we're going to be talking about God's love in us. Let's pause and pray. Father God, I want to thank you again for the power of your word. I want to thank you that your word speaks to us so clearly. And so, Father, I pray for open hearts, open minds to hear from you this evening. I pray, Lord, we'll be receptive to your word. I pray, Lord, that you'll use this word to change someone's life tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. I can't speak for you, but I can tell you that I've had many people say to me, if I could only see God, if I could just catch a glimpse of God, then I would believe. Has anyone had anyone say that? Okay, three people. Cool. I thought it was a pretty big thing. But there's people who actually say that. And it seems that John is aware of this as well. Oh, yes, yeah, sorry. I should have put that up a bit earlier. Thanks, boys. I didn't have that slide up. They've made that for me. Great job. So, And it seems John is aware that there's people who want to see God. There's people who want to be able to encounter him. And if they did, then they would believe. But John in everything that he writes, wants to give us assurance of our salvation. And so John says, love gives us this assurance. And I know that doesn't sound too assuring, but as we move through this, hopefully you will see. And when I first 
wrote this, this heading. I actually had love gives us assurance, meaning us as believers. But realistically, as I examined what John had written here, as I worked through it, I realized he was actually saying much more than that. Let's look at this here. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. John makes this statement, which is a declaration of how God's, uh, how God's love in us fulfills two very important um, functions. Our love for others is clear evidence, something tangible, something real that non-believers can see. And John quoted Jesus back in John 13, 35. By this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. And this is the love of God, the love that we have because he first loved us. It's a willingness to look past the differences we have and to love each other because God commanded it. Remember back in Matthew twenty-two thirty-six, where Jesus is asked, what is the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. And it's when we believe God, when we allow him to express himself through us with his love, that others will see the reality of him. And that's believers and non-believers alike. They'll be blown away by this incredible love that we are expressing. And why is that? Because we're never more like God than when we love like him. It's evidence of true Christian maturity to love in the manner that God commands us. Remember that John 13, 35. By this will all people know, not just believers, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. It's when we show that love that people will know that we follow God. For each of us too, it's when we love others that we normally wouldn't and we love them because we're now Christian and we want to love them and that gives us an assurance of salvation there is no other reason to love these people and we could spend the rest of the night talking about God's great love but think about that briefly God's love is generous he gave in abundance without expectation of a return God's love is unconditional. There's nothing I can do to make God love me more. There's nothing I can do to make him love me less. God's love is eternal for much the same reason. There's just nothing that can stop or separate his love from us. And God's love for us means he will never leave us, never forsake us. Wow. If we could only love like that. How world-changing would it be? And our love for each other is evidence of two realities in our lives. That God lives in us and that we've submitted to him and allowed his love to be perfected or matured in us. John says, By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. By this... When he says, by this, he's pointing back to what he said previously. He's pointing back to that love that we spoke about. It 
It's a call for us to think about our lives. Is there any evidence of the love of God in us? And if there is, then we know that we abide in him. When you love people that you wouldn't normally, when there's love or actions that are motivated from a position of love for God and for others, that is evidence that we're abiding in him, obeying him, following him, serving him. And the simple truth here is, if we abide in Christ, then we are going to be reflecting his character in our lives more and more and more as we mature. How we interact and treat others will be in line with how God interacts and treats others as well. And that begins at the very point of conversion. Holy Spirit comes and dwells in us immediately upon our confession of Jesus Christ as our Lord and Saviour. And John says, we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Saviour of the world. And this is the heart of the gospel message. The world speaks, sorry, the world speaks of all sinful people. All of us have been separated from God and we know that to be a foundational truth of our very lives. And we are under the authority and the power of the evil one. That one we're not so happy about agreeing to. But if we don't accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Saviour, we're either for him or against him. John has made that very, very clear. We're either part of the light or we're part of the darkness. He doesn't allow us to sit on the fence. He doesn't allow us to have any middle ground because there is no middle ground. You're either in or you're out. End of story. The Son of God, Jesus, came to save us all. Rich and poor, slave and free, male and female, young and old. No race exclusions, no class exclusions, no discrimination at all. He died for the whole world. He's saviour of the world. And all it takes to be saved is to confess that Jesus is the Son of God. And those who do that, God abides in him and he in God. Confessing that Jesus is the Son of God is confessing that Jesus is God, the full deity and the people that John is writing against in this letter did not believe that Jesus was God. And that's why this is mentioned. But it's only in the right belief of the identity of Jesus and his finished work upon the cross that we can actually have genuine salvation. There is no other way to God except through the Lord Jesus Christ. And it is Holy Spirit who is a witness to the truth of Christ. He takes the message of the apostles, the gospel that we have in our Bible. And which John has provided in verse 14. And then spoken about the confession here in 15. And realistically, when we think about what Christ has done for us, God sending his son into this world. This is our only reasonable response. To confess Jesus is the son of God, is the saviour of the world. And through our confession, we come to believe and know the love of God or the love that God has for us. God is love and whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in him.
It is the Spirit who reveals or teaches us about the love of God. And that love is revealed in the sending of Jesus into this world to die for us. It's a love that adopted us into his family. It's a love that not only provided the means for our forgiveness, but ultimately provides the most incredible blessing where we will be released from the very presence of sin, living in glory with him, the hope of eternity. And God did all of this and revealed it to us so that we may believe the love that God has for us. And I have to be honest, it wasn't immediate for me. But in learning about the love of God, ultimately, it provided me great comfort. I think one of mankind's greatest fears is death. And how does that sit with you? How, how do you feel when you think about death? There's many people who refuse to talk about it, many people who refuse to face it, but apart from tax, it's the one thing that we can be sure of in life. We all have to face it. And it's like John knows some of us will struggle. So he tells us that this love is perfected with us, that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, because as he is also are we in this world by this again points back to the previous verse so because we dwell in love that is proof of the fact that God lives in us and we in him but it also demonstrates that love has been perfected in us and when John says perfected he he's talking about he's not talking about being perfect but he's talking about maturing so this is about our sanctification where we day by day are being made more like the image of God it comes from submitting to him, reading his word, praying, growing in faith and love towards God and man. And the thing is, as believers maturing in Christ, we have nothing to fear on the day of judgment. Our sins will not be held against us. Jesus will, has and will intercede on our behalf because we've accepted him as our Lord and Saviour. His death has paid the price for all of our sins. And when I know the love of the God, there is no fear. But perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. Whoever fears has, been, has not been perfected in love. And as I say, we, we don't need to fear the final judgment. Come that day, our eternal destiny is not at stake. I'm no longer afraid of the future. And as we mature in faith, none of us should be. We shouldn't be afraid of what comes after death because we know the love of God. And Jesus in his love says he is going to prepare a place for us that where he is, we may also be. And so as a result of God's love for us, that, that fear no longer has a hold of us. We don't fear death as we once did. That fear has been replaced with a hope, a hope of eternity with him, a hope of a real expectation of a life spent with him where there'll be no more heartache, no more pain, no more suffering, no more sin. It's going to be an incredible thing. I have and I know that hope. But we're in the here and now. And while we're here, love is commanded of us. 
John has pushed us to realize that there's a connection between God's love and the love that he expected of us. And he's saying you can't have one without the other. And so we love because God first loved us. He loved us in a way that was beyond reason. He sent his son to die for us. There never has been, never will be a greater expression of love. The creator dying for his creation. The hero dying for the villain. And he did it because he loved us. Do you believe and accept that love? Because if you believe and accept that love, how can you not love God in return? It's the only reasonable response. John says, If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. That's a tough call, isn't it? If you cannot love your brothers and sisters who you see, how can you possibly love God who you cannot see? The only way we prove or validate our love for God is by loving each other, those whom we can see. God is love. So those who are born of God will also be loving. Those who do not or will not love are not of God. 21 says, And this commandment we have from him. Whoever loves God must love his brother. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the challenge of your word. I thank you, Lord, it's a powerful and meaningful word. And Lord, so many of us have doubts. So many of us are unsure of your great love for us. And I pray tonight by Holy Spirit, Lord, that you'll minister to each one. That, Lord, we'll grow in our understanding of your great love for us and that, Lord, we'll have a desire to love each other. I thank you, Lord, here at SDBC, we are seeing greater unity. We're seeing more people coming together. And, Lord, our desire is to honour and obey you, to love as you've called us to love. So, Lord, I just ask that you'll minister to us, guide us, challenge us, convict us. But, Lord, let us be a people of action. Let us be a people who are willing to do whatever it takes in order to draw closer to you. We pray this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. We're going to move straight into a time of communion. Is there anyone who doesn't have the communion elements with them? Please raise their hands. Yep. Can someone please grab those and distribute? Thank you. So someone will come. Please keep your hands up. We've got someone up the back who is bringing those forward for you. For those of you who do have them, feel free to peel that top piece off. It's very noisy, so make the noise now.
Good. That was almost in unison. Very impressed. I want to refer back to something that we've read in this passage this evening as we focus on communion. So 1 John 4, uh, verse 15. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. And 16 says, So we have come to know and to believe that the love of God has for us. God is love. Whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. We, we come to this table, we come to this communion celebration because we are those people who have confessed Jesus is the Son of God. And so when we come to this table, it is Jesus reappointing us, calling us again to remember that first step we made. When we confess Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And you've heard me say this many times, but it never gets old. Do you remember when you prayed? When you asked for the forgiveness of sin? And you knew your sins were forgiven. That's what we're called to remember. And our sins are forgiven because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. What we're celebrating here this evening. And the beautiful thing is, the sacrifice of Christ was motivated by God's love. And we are in this period right now. We're called to remember we're part of something bigger. We're part of a family. We're called to encourage and build each other up in faith. We're called to be that iron that sharpens iron, to spur each other on to greater works. We're in this period where we may so desire to be with the Lord, but we've got to live this out right now. But because of God's great love for us, he will never leave us, never forsake us. He's present with us even now. And as we reflect upon this table, again, we are to remember his great love. But we're also to look forward in hope. And hope's not a word where it's like, oh, I wish this is going to happen. Hope is a sure belief in the truth of what God has said. We are going to stand in his presence in glory as believers. And he's going to have this cup. And when we're with him, it's going to be the first time Jesus drinks that cup since he did it in the upper room with his disciples. And he's going to drink it with us, with everyone who's gathered there on that day. And to be honest, I can't wait. We have this little wafer, which we call bread. We have this funny coloured stuff that we call juice. But this wafer represents the body of Christ. And this liquid represents his blood. I'm going to give thanks for both. And then we're going to eat and drink together let's pray father god i want to thank you for the gift and sacrifice of the lord jesus christ i want to thank you lord that that was on you there's nothing i could do to save myself there was no way i could pay for the wrong i had done you and lord i was unlovable by anyone's standards except yours and you loved me you loved each of us and you stepped into this world in order to make a way that we could have relationship with you again, to fix that which was broken and to allow us to know your love. And Lord, I want to thank you for the incredible sacrifice of Christ. 
I want to thank you that it was in your perfect timing that he gave up his life, Lord. No one took it from him. It was planned from the very beginning that he would make this sacrifice. So, Lord, I thank you for the body and blood of Christ. I thank you that it was enough and that when we have Jesus, we have no need of anything else. Thank you again, Father.